0: understanding fundraising as planning, management, and importantly leadership. I'm Bill Stanjakevige. this is the first day from the fundraising school and I'm joined today by my colleague Dr. Jen Shaker. Jen is one of the four co-editors of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising the fifth edition and chapter 19 looks at fundraising, planning, management, and leadership. And Jen, thanks so much for being with us on the podcast. And uh, as you're co-editing the book, and I had the privilege of serving as one of the co-editors under your leadership, what was the big picture idea behind this particular chapter?
1: Well, Bill, you know, you and I have taught together quite a bit, the Effective Leadership Successful Fundraising course, right? Uh, Beginning the first course in person um, in the COVID, beginning of COVID in August 20. And so, I had been part of that class with you. I had learned so much from you about the research on effective leadership. And so when we were putting together the book and deciding about all of these chapters, I really wanted the chapter to follow what you teach in the class. And so there was so much good stuff happening in the class. I wanted it to be in the book. I wanted it to be in the book. But so, but you tell us what your goals were for the chapter.
0: Well, I was honored when I was invited to author the chapter, Jen, and my own area of research is in the field of leadership, especially applied to the philanthropic sector. Uh, And, you know, as I dive into the academic literature, here's something that's really interesting. When you look at what are the key traits of effective leaders, like having vision, being able to communicate, uh, thinking of others, serving others, being part of the group as an in-group leader... All of these are the same traits and skills and abilities we teach to fundraisers. Fundraisers have a leg up on developing their leadership skills because those leadership skills and traits from the evidence-based research are so consistent with what we've already learned uh, as fundraisers. And so I think a big key to this chapter is not just understanding fundraising as a management function, which it is, and the textbook does such a clear job of that through all 39 chapters, and this chapter starts with kind of a summary of management but really to help fundraisers see themselves as leaders, to know that they are leaders, regardless of their position in the org chart. Fundraisers are leaders. They can lead within their organization and outside the nonprofit as well.
1: Well, t- tell us some more about that distinction between management and leadership and are fundraisers, one or the other. Do we need to be both? Like, Give us some more thoughts on that.
0: I, I spoke at a conference recently, there are probably about 150 people in the room, and they wanted to learn about fundraisers as leaders. And I said, uh, if you have fundraising in your job description, please raise your hand, hold it up really high, keep it up in the air. And I said, now, keep your hand up only if you also hold the top spot in the organizational chart, and fewer than 10 people still had their hand up. And that's kind of the key, that fundraisers are both, more often than not, we are managers and we are leaders, we're wearing both of those hats simultaneously. And the key is we need to know when we're performing one function or the other. So with management, management is today and management is the fundraising plan and the processes and and all of the follow through and the measuring for results and staying on task and keeping each other informed and holding each other accountable. All of the key functions of management, which fundraisers need to do, including self-management, that I'm doing those own things with my fundraising portfolio. Leadership is much broader. Leadership is about tomorrow. Leadership is the vision. Leadership is less about the process and more about trusting our people and including everybody's voice in, in the next plan and being aware of that next opportunity for the nonprofit organization and for our donors and you know, providing those inspiring messages and certainly sharing when the message in the news is not so great like hmm, we didn't get the grant but also continuing to encourage people around the public service mission of the nonprofit, the results of the nonprofit, the joy that we see uh, experienced by our donors. That is all the inspirational component of leadership as well. So fundraisers are both. They need to realize that, know that, thrive in that, and know the distinction when they're acting as a manager and performing as a leader.
1: One of the things I was thinking about as you were talking is Nannison and Dobbs and the domains of leadership, which you were just describing, although not necessarily in the terms of the graphic that we have in the book. So, so talk to us about the role of research on leadership in this chapter and um, talk to us a little about Nannis and Dobbs as you do that.
0: I can give you three examples, and you mentioned Nannis and Dobbs, which we use in our master's degree program of uh, philanthropic studies at the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, as well as in our Certificate in Fundraising Leadership within the fundraising school. Nannis and Dobbs have done us a great favor. So much of research in leadership is in the private sector and in the government sector, and certainly we can learn from that research and apply it to the nonprofit sector. But this diagram applies specifically to those of us in philanthropy. The the top responsibility of the leader, according to this diagram, is to look outside the organization into the future to create the vision or the next strategy. And again, that can apply to fundraising in terms of the next fundraising opportunities, the next fundraising strategy for the nonprofit, let alone you might be promoted someday into that CEO seat, and you need to be doing that for the entire nonprofit. Now, Once we have that strategy in place, we're coming back inside the organization, still looking out to the future, and this is where we need to be a change agent. We need to be describing that strategy to everybody. We need to be answering their questions, addressing their concerns, and making sure everybody's on board before we move forward, for example, with that next fundraising strategy or plan. Then inside the organization, we're back into the present tense. This is where the leader is the coach. Now the manager is doing and fundraisers are doing and they're doing carrying out the plan. But when the fundraiser is leading the fundraising team or across the organization, now the fundraiser is catching success, correcting underperformance and looking for opportunities for improvement. And then here comes the best part. The fourth and final responsibility, we're still in the present. We go back outside the organization. And we get to fundraise because there's a compelling vision. Everybody's on board. The program's in place for measuring for outcomes. And now we can go tell our donors and encourage their participation as well. The the whole uh, course, the whole uh, certificate is based uh, on that construct. But a couple other examples quickly, Jen, is transformational leadership. Uh, A lot of research on this that transformational leadership quickly summarized is leading towards the cause, uh, leading towards the public service mission of the nonprofit organization. Uh, And that everything that we do, all the decisions we make, the people that we hire, the resources that we provide, the messages that we communicate are all geared towards that cause. Fundraisers know this. They do this every day with donors, and it's supported in the literature. And then lastly is in-group leadership, significant research around this on how we're part of the group. And this is important for fundraisers to help them know how they can lead up. Again, fundraisers say, I don't have the top spot. I don't have the ultimate authority. Well, when you're an in-group leader and you understand your soft powers of that, you have information others don't have, expertise others don't have, and that you have the right to communicate your ideas through your so-called referent power, you've earned the right to be seen as a full team member, fully committed to the nonprofit. You use that soft power as an in-group leader, you have an opportunity to influence the entire organization. So again, some specific handles uh, that we can utilize, supported by the research, Uh, and also taught through the experiences of our faculty that help fundraisers see themselves not just as managers, but also as leaders.
1: I think for me... I wish that I would have known, I think especially about the philosophy of in-group leadership. And I, I wish I would have known uh, that's what I was doing for a long time, either when I was part of the team and still found that I had the ability to uh, have influence as a team member and uh, have respect in that role. And when I actually had a fundraising leadership role and I continued to really think of myself as facilitating the work of my colleagues, helping them to do their best work, uh, wanting all of us to succeed, but I never had that language. And so I just, I wonder, you know, if, if that's a goal too, of this book is to this chapter in the book and the book is to empower those fundraisers to know that to give them language, like you just said, to talk about some of these things that they may be doing and don't even realize
0: Jen, that comes up in the post-course evaluations all the time, both through the fundraising school and the academic course in our master's program, that participants and students, learners are thankful that now I have handles. I can call this something. I can see the perspective of this. So, for example, again, with leading up, what information do you have? You might have information on donor behavior writ large, like through Giving USA. You have information about the donor database of the organization. You're living it every day. Your program director isn't, your CEO is not, your board members aren't. You have that information that your colleagues don't have. You can share that and base your recommendations on that information. You have expertise in terms of what vehicles work, what's the right time to pursue somebody for a major gift request? What's the right way to be listening for a planned gift opportunity? What's the proper steps that need to be taken for a comprehensive campaign? These are areas of expertise that you have that when you're sharing from your expertise, you can lead up and throughout the organization. And again, referent, that means you you show up on time, you follow through with quality work, you jump in where needed, you do what you say, all the things as a professional that people know you're not just trying to win an argument, put your foot down, has to be my way. People know you're doing this out of concern for the nonprofit organization. And again, when when fundraisers have those tools, you really see the light bulb go off when we teach. And I know you've seen that, and we've talked about that, where people go, yeah, I do have those powers. And I can see how those can be influential, and we're hoping that this chapter can can help more fundraisers see that.
1: Well, and, and it's it's empowerment that we need sometimes when we're not traditional or stereotypical leaders, right? We especially need to know that the style that we're using is who knew based in lots of research and found to be highly successful and found also to be highly appropriate in our modern workforce. And so, so thank you for giving that to me and the readers by bringing this research to us. Um, so I can't I can't I have to ask one more question and that is we we put together this whole book during covid during crisis and of course it's not over but I mean we were meeting spring 20 what's going to be in this book right as from our lockdown in our houses and so there is a section in this chapter on crisis leadership, right? Not crisis management, crisis leadership. And so, what should we be taking from that um, as things are not at the peak of crisis, or when things aren't in the mo- in that most difficult moment? What what still holds now and any time for leaders?
0: Jen, one of the strengths of this entire book is that it addresses the so-called twin pandemics, both the COVID-19 pandemic that was happening as the book was being organized, as well as the so-called pandemic around racial justice, racial reconciliation, racial reckoning, uh, and how can fundraisers um, you know, work through those very uh, important and yet challenging times. Uh, and then it helps us pull back to say, well, how do we lead through crises overall. And as you say, prepare for the next one. Number one, this is where donor stewardship comes in, right? During a time of crisis, donors are most likely to stay with the nonprofits that they already have a close relationship with, right? The hardest donor to get during a time of crisis is a new donor. And so again, it's yet another reason why um, donor stewardship is so important. But then when we talk about, okay, how do we respond and how do we plan moving forward? The key here is to organize your team kind of set parameters for how the discussion is going to go, encourage input from everybody, which you should be doing all along anyway, uh, and then creating scenarios. Because during a time of crisis, there's even enhanced time of uncertainty. All leaders need to be able to deal with ambiguity, uncertainty, to live in the gray when there is not precise black and white. That's even more true during a time of crisis. And so you, you design these scenarios to be flexible as possible, based on how the crisis unfolds. And then communicate externally to your donors, communicate externally to other stakeholders. And again, make sure everybody inside is on board with all of those different options. So again, there's ways to see yourself as a manager, as a leader, including during times of crisis.
1: Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I heard you saying too. Both management and leadership are required in those moments. Um, And uh, people really need the leader during crisis. I think we saw that a lot in COVID and in responses to the social justice movement and the death of George Floyd, the murder of George Floyd. So people need that leader. Organizations also need that manager. They need both, right? So, well, Bill, just remind us uh, where people can get the book and learn more about these ideas.
0: And again, Chapter 19 is Fundraising, Planning, Management, Leadership. as part of the fifth edition of Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, published in 2022. Uh, Dr. Jen Shaker, one of the four co-editors, our lead co-editor in so many ways, uh, as the team brought the book forward. Uh, Now, the content of the book is informing our courses at the fundraising school more than ever. In fact, people People who take principles and techniques of fundraising will receive a free copy of the book. Uh, We also uh, have those public courses in person in the United States, in more cities all the time, and our presence online remains strong, both in terms of recorded, asynchronous, or live and virtual, so-called synchronous courses. Now, of course, the online courses are accessible anywhere around the world. We have custom training. We can design training on fundraising management, fundraising leadership, either or all together through our custom training programs. We have our quarterly webinars. And of course, we have these free podcasts all available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. I am so grateful to my colleague, Dr. Jen Shaker for this conversation today uh, and her leadership of our conversation. Our producers today, Jennifer Boffman and Mike Anthony. I'm Bill Stantzikiewicz. And now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school.